Welcome to the Global Party Podcast. I'm Jacqueline Best, host and creator of Best Whole New World, where joy, health, peace, love, and wealth are just the natural vibes. I'll be interviewing real people with real stories from all over the world, where they share their transformation, their healing from the inside out. Listen and subscribe and get the health vibe. Two, one. Hi, everybody. It is Global Party Healing from the Inside Out, and I have Tess Miller Sharp from Australia. Whereabouts in Australia? Uh, I'm actually in the area near Byron Bay, which is the most easterly point of the Australian mainland. So we get a lot of tourists here because we have this amazing lighthouse that people would love to go and see. Oh, and is that what inspired you to call your session to um, how to be a lighthouse and in a time of soul convergence? Uh, I think definitely there's some aspect for that. Yes. Yeah. I There's like the lighthouse is this beautiful beam of energy which comes out and everyone can see it. It's that sense of being alone on its own yet being connected to all the other lighthouses and spreading that light over everybody that sees it um so there's not a sense of being alone but there's a sense of standing very much in individuality in the sense of i am my person I, this is my soul expression this is who i am and this is the light that i shine and as a lighthouse i mean there isn't a lighthouse like houses side by side, like their lighthouses are spaced very far out because their light really does expand the far circle. So I'm going to say that we're being a lighthouse onto the world here and this global party and, and so many others are doing, you know, coming back to finding that spirit within in this space. And our light is just shining and rippling and we're converging. But can you explain the soul convergence for other people that might be going, what does that mean? Yeah, so what I notice, not just within myself, but those that I meet and those that I work with in my alchemical transformation space that I hold, is that we are really getting into the nitty-gritty of waking up to who we really are and releasing the soul trauma, the DNA, the ancestral uh, woundings and um, the debris really it's like debris that we have come through into this lifetime with that we have been born into uh, and so there's that what is left is this converging of all that the essence of the joy of our true soul expression so that's what's converging it's like this one this one this one this one all these strands and they're all just blending in so that we can be this beautiful lighthouse in our entirety in our integrity with our soul expression without all of the stuff anymore. right so all this like debris right is is the sense that we've thought or we've identified with but it really isn't ours is it a lot of the time it's not, you know, cellular biology, um, microbiome, uh, <laughs> all sorts of things, all of the uh, belief systems that are passed down to us. There's so much that we see as ourselves, which actually isn't our true soul expression. I think it's 90% of who we are is not really who we think we are. 
Um, so saying that, you can understand now why, if, if everybody listening, if 90% of who you think you are isn't who you really are, all that is going to be elknized. Is that a good way to say it? Over this global transformation, people are going to come face to face with what they need to come face to face with, don't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, a crisis, uh, we call it, you know, a healing crisis. It's a time to to really deal with that negative pain, with that negative thought, with the way that we move our bodies in the world and the patterns and the habits that we do. And when we bump up against those and we find that we get ourselves in some sort of pain, emotional pain, whatever it is, you know, we're like, oh, not feeling alive or full, then it's a time to take that personal responsibility and the self-care of ourselves to do the personal inquiry. Like, what are we, what's really going on here? Like, what am I telling myself that gives me those emotions that would compel me to take that action? And is that the truest thing to do right now that makes me feel joyful? Yeah. It was said earlier today, and I wonder when you said make you feel joyful, are you finding that there was a belief system in the past that said you've got to suffer through it? And, and you know, I say it all the time, breakdown leads to breakthrough, but it's mm -hmm. like through the pain and the gain. But is it possible, do you think, that we're actually learning that we can expand in joy and the transformation can be just a sense of, oh, I don't like this sweater anymore. I think I'll just give it away. Like, that pattern doesn't work for me anymore. I can just toss it. Can it come that joyfully easily? I think it does. I think we are really in a time of instant manifestation. Like we're receiving things so fast right now. And, uh, you know, if we take heed of that, if we listen to that, if we're really focused then and aware and awake to ourselves, uh, we can really just toss that jumper out so quickly. Um, and that upgrade can, upgrade can be effortless. It doesn't have to be painful if you're willing to just lay it out as a structure, mm -hmm. um, you know, without the emotion possibly. It's like, oh, when I do this, this happens, this happens, this happens. If I take the emotion out, look at that pattern. Wow, has that pattern served me? I don't think so. I'm going to ditch that pattern. But what's the pattern that's going to serve me better? So you can't change it need to create a new one so creating the new thing can be really um inspirational and effortless if we just allow ourselves to look at the program first you sound like the way i work so how do you work <laughs> so if it because i'm like that's it i go okay this is the situation what does it feel what you know and that picky you and where do you want to go and poof, jump, jump, you know like um so how does it happen for you when when a client comes to you who's a typical is it are okay there's no typical anymore i should get rid of that okay everything is atypical so right now if somebody was stressed or really feeling anxious about the situation would that be a good time or because is it because this corona teacher is present it's not necessarily something to get rid of or do we know that their fear related to it and their anxiousness is definitely passing okay i kind of lost that the second half of the question but what came to me initially was um when we realize i mean so somebody's coming they're like in pain the first thing to do i feel is to acknowledge that and go okay you know it's okay what you're feeling so i think that's so crucial to not have 
people feel that they are unsafe or that they're holding shame around their expression, whatever that is. One of the key things that I hold um, as like my main premise in life is that uh, we're not who we think we are. You know, we're more than that. And so when we are in pain, most of the time, 99.999% of the time, it's the stories we're making up. So the free space that we create there um, allows the non-judgment of that. Yeah. Okay. So you're in pain. All right. What are you telling yourself? You know, and also where are you feeling that in your body? Like what part of you? I really love to use the body as a way to inform. Mm -hmm. um, and so one a really powerful question I find is like, how are you defining yourself right now? Are you feeling powerless? Are you feeling shameful? Are you, you know, like their feelings. But, you know, are you defining yourself as, as you know, not powerful? Are you designing yourself, defining yourself as at the whim of others or, um, you know, stupid or futile or um, those are really great words to pull out. And then when that is like, wow, I'm really telling myself that's who I am and I'm really telling myself that this situation is unkind, that it's, uh, I have no control over it, that, um, you know, we can go to so many places right. if we're looking at this epidemic or pandemic that's happening at the moment. Um, once we acknowledge those things we're telling ourselves that are creating those emotions that are causing us pain, we can choose then to define um, like what, how we would choose to feel instead. That's the last thing, yeah? In between, you have to go a little, you have to dig, you have to dig, you know, um, asking for a time frame. So like, oh, you know, how old am I feeling right now when I think that thought and have that feeling? And, you know, and sometimes it can come up going, just doesn't feel like it's in this lifetime it feels so old this feeling and this thought together um and then go even deeper what is happening here like what if I just visualize where am I if I take myself to that place where that feeling and thought is now and what's happening around me and who's there and and then once we can explore that part of it you know um it's so much easier from a higher perspective or from a wise perspective to look down onto that situation and go, what would I say to that part of me right now that's experiencing that? What would I, what advice would I offer? Or what, what is needed by that part of me? Might be to cry, might be to scream, uh, might be to, you know, not just verbalise or physically do something, but might just be just sit with that pain just a little bit longer and allow yourself to fully feel it allow it to be expressed because in an expressing we can we can release it from our body so in that releasing uh we can come to a place of peace just if we give ourselves permission uh and then okay what would i love right now like what is the thing that's going to serve that part of me right now you know what is it i need might be go for a walk have a cup of tea lie down go to sleep breathe you know write an angry letter uh, but maybe not send it. So there's so many things. And I think that's where the sort of the crux of my talk is really, is that when we can do this self-process, this this compassion with ourselves to have the time to really investigate, um, that's when we can be personally responsible and stop projecting this angst and fear onto others. That's 
so oh. super important because then we would attract it into our lives if that's what we believe how the world is and how we are we're going to find something to meet that vibration um so this is where it comes into the you know um using this time of crisis or breakthrough that we're going through now to really do deeper self-inquiry I would love you just to repeat that again because I think for a lot of people they just went right over their head and it was a very key point, right? Because do you know what you just said? Not one hundred percent, but I, I can you, but okay, go go for it. You can rephrase it. I know it's like it just comes through in that moment, and I don't know. But so the acknowledging going through this and the impact on what we're feeling with others. And then the impact that has on us, right? We have to be self-responsible for our own feelings and knowing that that mass fear, for instance, we don't have to identify with it, right? Mm. But, but if we are starting to feel this way, it's our responsibility to deal with that, correct? Yeah, and if there's someone who can hold you in a sacred space of non-judgment and compassion and can allow you to unravel it and unfold it yourself, whatever that inquiry is, then seek help from that person because not everybody has the skills. It can take people down into a spiral. Mm -hmm. um, so I suggest finding people that love you deeply and want you to thrive. And so, yeah, we really are in a time of noticing the triggers um, and realizing that we uh, we were on a vibration at some deeper level of attracting those triggers and what can we do personally to be responsible for changing our vibration and attracting another type of experience so this is the elevation this is the alchemical where we take the lower energy mm -hmm. the lower thought and we transmute it, we pull it apart, we look at it, we reprogram it, and then we can lift it up and elevate it to a higher thought, to a higher expression. I love upgrading. It's just this whole alchemy thing of, right, what's really not going on that's so great here? And how can we transform that into uh, something that really fills our heart and soul and that expression that actually changes our cellular structure, changes our brain waves, our neural pathways, everything. Like we are in an optimal moment to thrive. This is like tough mudder. Uh, this is like a marathon. This is like you're going to come across all of these obstacles. So, you know, use them to find that strength within you like you would in a marathon. You know, don't, don't not do the ride. <laughs> do the ride <laughs> well i mean I, I think a lot of these people actually that are going through this experience might not have wanted to do the tough matter or the marathon or go on that ride right because you yourself like you know many of us have done our work mm -hmm. you know have have invested in that to get to the place we're in and a lot of some of these people that have been forced into this as as emiliano was saying it says it's in their home but it's like really giving them this opportunity to go within. And as they're within their house and they're seeing the dynamics of what's going on, they're noticing, are they still afraid of something out there? And how is that reflected in here? Because isn't that part of the alchemy is realize everything out there is in here? 
So if you're out there and you're fearful or you're concerned and you're putting all your energy out there, what is that saying about you in here? Yeah, it's saying that you're holding that vibration that's attracting it. There's some part of you, not all of you, maybe right. not the conscious part, but there is some little smidgen of vibration that is wanting to be met and, and validated and verified as being true. Um, and so when you know what that is, then you'll change. Do you think if you're in a good mood, you're usually going to come across other people that are in a good mood because you're smiling and, you you know, your, your nervous system is relaxed and and you tend to bump up against those people. Right. So it works the same. Like we create everything. We create every every experience because of what we're holding inside of ourselves that wants to be met and validated. So what would you say to the person that is potentially realizing in this process already that maybe first they were resisting, now they're kind of going, well, kind of nice. I'm seeing things about myself. I'm relaxing. But let's say I'm realizing I'm in a relationship now that maybe I hadn't even noticed the person really because we were so distracted before. <laughs> and now we're both quarantine together technically <laughs> like like it's like i can't even say get out of my space because we're 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 here how what what is maybe some tools you could give them because i just know maybe it's just the older generation but i'm sure it's in everybody but i've been in the forest walking and i see these these people and i'm like yeah she's not happy i'm coming home to work right <laughs> and, like, yeah, I didn't think that, you know, I didn't realize that's how I felt about my husband until he arrived home. <laughs> I have a husband too, so I can relate to that. Um, luckily, we're not quarantined here. We have a lot of nature around us. We're doing great. But yeah. those people that are, uh, get a notepad. Write it out. I think that's the easiest thing. Um limit reactions uh, that are not from a place of love uh, but yeah get the notepad ready just start you know oh i'm triggered by this oh he said that that's what i thought you'd be amazed what will come out once you start writing that's a personal responsibility uh, remembering that if you're in an environment that's close then you are going to react and project something that feels not so great to the other person, uh, then they're going to do it to you. It's only going to escalate. You're both going to be meeting each other and ramping it up. So it's only so that's why I would just take a step back and, and just notice how your body's responding um, when you get angry. Like, can you just that whole thing of counting to ten? Like, really bring the counting to ten. Grab your notebook, write it all out. And I think the last question to ask is, how am I defining myself? And see where that takes you. You know, once you feel you've got it all out onto paper <laughs> in a safe way, then how am I defining myself in this moment? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm writing this all down in the in the chapter for people that you know. Um, so, because realistically, right? If you you're they're forced to do their own inner work because it, it's like you. As you said, if, if you're reacting and they're reacting and in the 
in the past situation would be like, well, like they'd walk up the door and distract themselves or numb the pain or however it is. Now we can have some wonderful transformations going on because people need to have forgiveness for themselves in the experience and realize it's not about them. It's about what are you feeling and how is your body feeling in that process of that interaction? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's the other side of that, which is saying no. I don't like it. I don't like it when you talk to me like that. Can you not speak to me in that manner? That feels really degrading or disrespectful. Um, not to go into a big dialogue, but I think when we share, when people step our boundaries, because mm -hmm. that's what creates a trigger. When our boundaries have been overstepped, our defence systems go up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's the other thing to really take heed of is to have good boundaries and to respect those boundaries that you have and respect others' boundaries as well. Um, you know, when they say, I, don't, I need space right now, I can't have you near me, I'm really angry and I'm working through something. And with love, I would ask you to honour that, to step away. And I think that's a really powerful boundary to speak in a calm way, if you can. Right. Yeah. And that is so relevant because you're, only, you're taking responsibility, saying, I need, to, I need a break. I need to process. And I can just speak from my perspective. And I know other women, when they're sometimes in a relationship, they want the male to deal with it now. And I've done some talks with, but that's not how males actually work. They, they're they slower to the process. They need to think and they need to be. So when we're like, next to it, and they say, we need some I need some time. They're like, no, I want to know it now. They're actually telling us what they need. And we are hearing it. Yes. So Alison Armstrong uh, of the Queen's Code fame uh, mm -hmm. wrote that amazing book. And one of the things that she says when you're dealing with men, women, and men, men, right. um, is when you approach somebody with uh, what I would call a take, you want their energy, so you want to take their attention and bring it to you, which is the, um, uh, you know, wheel of consent work. Right. Consent. Okay. Um, can I, uh, excuse me, this is the dialogue that would be the best one to use. Use your own, but this is the one I find that works best. Um, excuse me, are you busy right now? Do you mind if I take X amount of time I'm feeling like I would like to share something with you. Do you have the, the space for that? Can you hold me in that sharing? So one, you're not just barging in there. Two, you're not just dumping. And three, you're waiting, you know, all of that is non-permission work, okay? So what you're doing is you're setting up the other person politely to know that you matter and that you are in need and you appreciate their help. Now, it's okay to say no if someone puts this request to you. So you have to factor that into the question. You have to be okay, you know. You have complete, as you know, you can say yes or no if this doesn't work for you right now. So that's a, that's um, acknowledging their boundary. 
and what they need to do for themselves right now. So it's a very respectful way to ask for space when you're in need and also know that there's probably other people you could connect with if it doesn't suit that person at the time. So you're not alone in this ever. And that's part of that trust factor to realize if you really need someone to talk to and that person isn't there, there's probably somebody else you can go to, even if you think you have nobody else. Yeah. When you stand in that space of, I really need to connect with somebody, there's somebody to connect with. Now, here, um, the other thing I was going to say is, um, you know, there's Facebook groups where you can dump whatever it is you want to dump, um, you know, in a safe environment. I think it's a really big lesson in vulnerability, how to be vulnerable and ask when you're in a time of need. Yeah, It's a great strength to, yeah. you know, to tone. I would agree with you because it's in that process you also learn to receive, right? And I think that's what a lot of us have been do, 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 do. We've got to do it. And now it's about receiving because we were given this body. We were given this earth. We were given everything. And I, this is an interesting one that this is about health now that we're being confronted with. And you feel you were given health, or do you still feel like it's something outside yourself that you have to, you know, be wary of? You know, I it's, it's I think going to shift paradigms of how people feel about what's needed to stay healthy, and it's another one of those um, deep topics that is going to be alchemized, and it's going to be brought back here. I what comes to me is I've heard a few people say to me. You know, I'm an empath and I'm affected by other people's energies or I wanted to care about my friends and I reached out to them and now I feel worse. So I hear, oh, I'm a victim to everybody else's situation, right? Um, how do you help somebody like that get to the point where they can take responsibility and guide them through the process that they can actually release that belief system. Their belief systems or the person who they've just been, who has just released onto them? Well, one, I feel like they feel like they're, you know, they're being caring and then they, oh, they're like taking on other mm -hmm. people. Like it's like, it's like that whole story of the energy vampires. You like, oh, well, I don't think you're just lying there going, oh, I'm taking my energy, you know? You, so there's, to me, it's being a bit of responsibility to realize that I'm being affected and I need to say no, you know. Well, I think that that's what I just, uh, that process that I just just, just described of asking mm -hmm. for somebody's time and space. Uh, so if you've got a friend who's in need, um, send out to all your friends in need. I'd recommend this. If you would love me to hold you in this time of crisis and listen to you, um, I would really appreciate it if you would request through this dialogue of, do you have any time? Are you okay right now? You know, so seek permission first. And what that does is it lets the person who's being asked enough time to really feel into, are they ready right now? Like, have they got stuff going on? Um are they in a space now to hold somebody 100%? Um, if the answer is yes, then it is all about the hazmat suit, right? 
putting on that energetic hazmat suit. Okay, ground yourself. Really imagine, you know, fig trees, how big their roots are and exposed from the ground. Imagine that you don't just have roots going down to the core of the earth, but they are like a fig tree. So really grounding, really connecting up to your guides and all of those energies, those benevolent energies that are there to protect us and support us. Yeah. So make your container safe for you first. Um, put on that hazmat suit knowing that you are there to listen. You're not there to fix. You're not there to feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Empathy is great. It allows you to feel. Um, I too have that very high. Uh, and what it allows me to do is feel into the story that they're making up about the situation, their programming that is feeling the pain, their reaction that is feeling it. And so when I know that that's not who they really are, that this is the painful part that is made up a story which isn't in alignment with their soul expression. Mm -hmm. It's not in a, all pain, I believe, not I'm, I don't even believe, I just get that it's so true. The pain it comes from the thoughts and the beliefs. So knowing that what they are saying is, is what they want to shift, okay? So, the, so if you're someone that feels dumped on or feels like heavy afterwards, it's because you've bought into the story. Right. You've, bought, you've bought into the release. So don't buy into the release, but love them compassionately as they share, holding them in a higher vibration. You can relate to them. You can go, yeah, I feel your pain in that. I really feel you, how, how that feels for you. You know, um, you could, you don't even have to ask a question. Some people just want to get it out. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, people aren't in that place to write down whatever it is they want to get out and they need support, then just just hold the space is all I say. No, it's not yours. And if you are triggered by it, then there is some part of you that then you can do self-inquiry on. But the majority of their um, expression that they want to share with you, you know, can be an opportunity, but the majority of it is their release as well. So if you are triggered. So yeah. that part of that being that lighthouse to say, hey, I am shining my light and I'm guiding you to be able to release your own yeah i think it is i think it is about it's about taking this moment that we're in or this however many years it's going to take you know taking this experience of our of our earth transforming so it can hold our higher vibration so it can hold this convergence of our souls into being these beautiful beings and letting go of the stuff that just doesn't serve like the earth is vibrating higher, we need to be in harmony with that to be here. So, yeah, so holding yourself with compassion, with love, getting the support that you need, knowing that it's all in divine timing and that you are safe and that you asked for this. On some level, you asked to be here now and really enjoy the experience of self-discovery and remembering personal responsibility and that there's some part of you which is much, much greater who knows what's going on and shine that into the world and be connected to the other light houses in the world as well, harmonising. Oh. Yeah. 
And it's like there really is a letting go happening. And we have a, a lovely other lady in the waiting room here, Colleen Godfrey, that um, would love to share too and join in this conversation. Um, may I bring her up? Yes. Beautiful. Perfect. Here we go. Hi. Hi there. How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. Very well. You're in Chicago area, so USA, right? From Wisconsin, where are you at? Middle East. I'm close. I'm closer to Minneapolis. I'm about 50 miles south of Minneapolis. And so as you were hearing the last little part, Colleen, as you were there, we're talking about the fact of being a lighthouse. Just a second. I've got to take these headphones out. They're really bad sound quality. Can you hear me without them? I can hear you without them. Are, Are you getting reverberation test? Yeah, I am. I'm not sure what to do for sound. I'm thinking it might actually be me. So do you mind if I get my headphones? I shall be back. Yes, please. Do what you need to do. I'm going to put a different headphones here and see if these help. But I don't know if they will or not. So we'll just <coughs> troubleshoot. That's all we can do anyway. There we go. Yeah, that's reminding me. I, I, you know, actually, I'm not even sure where I put my earphones. I've been going all day long. So, um, letting go and moving forward and embracing this whole wonderful journey. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always letting go anyways. I mean, everything's always falling away. There's like, everything's always changing. So, I mean, we're actually really good at embracing change because our whole life has been changed. So I think that sometimes we can get hung up um, and maybe fall into clinging. But if we let go of clinging, then the change is just unfolding, ongoing. So to me, it's, uh, I'm gonna try this over here and see if this works and it might not. Say something, please. I'm saying hello. hello. It's all good for everybody. I'm back. Is that better? That's good. I, um, is it good for everybody else? Because maybe I need to get my headset. Okay, no. I don't think my headset even works. I know it's a brand new one, but it, I'm not hearing anything through it. So I'm going to get rid of it. Ah, that, that's, I'm sure that's part of the conversation. We're broadcasting out this live. We're saying, hello, everybody. It's okay with global transformation. Are you going? And other people are going, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. All I can hear is about this stuff that's happening. And I'm I'm looking at the news consistently. And I'm feeling this stuff. And and I just heard Colleen say, oh, it's natural to change. And, and some of those people, I think, are easily going with it. I'm meeting all kinds of them that are just feeling like, oh, my God, this is like mental health break. Yeah, I think so. I think we can overdo the news. I think, you know, a media fast is essential. And I fast every day. I, I'm an intermittent faster. So I eat from noon until 8 o'clock. I eat healthy meals. And then I don't eat anything from 8 p.m. in the evening until noon the next day. And I do that consistently. I'm not, um, 
if somebody really wants to meet for breakfast, I will eat breakfast just to be kind of normalize it for them and not make people self-conscious. Um, and I think we need to do that with the news. I think that we need to decide how much news we're going to take in. And I know you guys were talking about body awareness, really feeling in your body if is being exposed to constant news stories ratcheting up my anxiety? Is it good for me? And my belief is that we need to be informed because, um, you know, this, this virus, it's a serious thing. So we have to understand what we're dealing with and react appropriately. But at some point there's a tipping point where it's just overindulgence and we actually do ourselves harm by taking in too much news. So I always encourage people to play around with the media fast. How much news do you really need? And then choose it really intelligently. You don't have to expose yourself to everything. You can actually look for the things that you know might be helpful and tune out the rest. That's, that's how I do it. And I think you can tune into the news you know, in different ways. I can tune into the news in Australia and find out that, you know, they're still moving around and you had, you know, sure, I think you might have been the first ones that had the toilet paper rampage. <laughs> we did. We just totally ran out of toilet paper and you couldn't even find it at the stores. I went to the store every day and they said, um, that they sold three times more than they usually did and the suppliers really needed some time to play catch up. So well, they said, if you really need toilet paper, be here at eight o'clock on this morning and you can buy one package. So I went with my son and I said, you know what, I'll buy a pack and you'll buy a pack. And uh, we got the, literally I got there at like, you know, 10 before eight we went into the store and all the toilet paper was almost sold out. There were four. So my, I'm five foot three and my son is six foot three. So from what my view, I couldn't see. I'm like, they already sold it all out, but he's tall. He goes, no mom, there's still like a couple way up here. And so we ended up, there were four packs of toilet paper left. We got two packs. So I was like, it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I don't believe in the scarcity model. Even if everything becomes really scarce on its own, then let's just be open to that. Then we'll be in that field when we're there. But I, I definitely don't think that we need to start hoarding all kinds of toilet paper and canned goods and water and all of these things is just depleting the system. So to me, there's a lot of things where people are just overreacting. Uh, whether it's the war or the depression, things like that. So is this global maybe consciousness that we're releasing all these, like Europe is on lockdown. Is that possibly also because their ancestors had experienced all that anxiety and fear and, and, and had to hide previously? you know, because of the war, we're releasing that, we're not having the experience. Can we draw that conclusion or am I going too big? No, I don't think you're going too big. I think that there's a, um, this is, let's just say this behavior that we're experiencing now is not new. Um, these structures or these steps have all happened before. Um, when you look at, um, I think there's a YouTube 
clip which is like the history of the world in six minutes or 12 minutes or something and it's amazing when you look at what has happened um, in humanity around control population control um, scarcity you know potato famine da 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 it's not new um, but our response to it can be new um, so if we are stuck in that Oh, in our DNA, um, you know, in our ancestral timelines where our body is informing us, yeah, I know what this is like. I've been here before. This is what we need to do now. So that's that's the opportunity to step outside of that programming, really, um, and then look at, okay, so if the world is abundant, I mean, just one example, really, I went for a walk the other day and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. The tree is still there. Everything is still there. Like nature is all still there. Nothing in my visual world with regards to the planet Earth that I could see has changed. It's the outside circumstances in society which have changed. And how do I choose to let that impact me or not? Is where I believe we come into the lighthouse, into that strength again of the core lighthouses are so strong um so yeah it's always comes back to our reaction how do we want to what do we want to take action or we want do we want to do a reaction or do we want to recognize even that we're just noticing what our response would be and realizing that no longer serves us so it's time to let it go right colleen mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And letting go, it, I mean, you almost have to commit to it as a practice <clears throat> and uh, and explore the territory of what would happen if I just let things go. Like, what if I just try not to control anything today? And I mean, there's different exercises we can do. Um, you know, one thing that some people can do is just start to say yes to opportunities rather than saying no, just um, you know, you could dedicate like a whole year to just like saying yes to things, just to see, just to notice, like my internal reaction might be no, but I'm committed to saying yes, just to see what that would be like. I mean, that's one conscious way you can choose to expand. And there might be some really, you know, some things that you absolutely need to say no to. Like if somebody said step out in front of a train or something, you know, but there's ways that we can consciously uh, choose to relax and to let go. Um, and, you know, some of the, I've been a long time meditator, so I go on long retreats. And if you're on a retreat, you're just following the schedule. You're, you're basically just sitting there with yourself the whole time. And a whole big things fall away, radical things fall away, things that you belief systems fall away like in a week's time. <laughs> you can let go of just all kinds of stuff that you weren't even conscious going into the retreat that you were holding on to. And so this is a time when we can explore um, what would it be like if I didn't resist? What would it be like if I if I noticed my anxiety but I don't act on it? What would that be like? And um, you know, who who here is clinging, like who here is clinging and do a kind of self inquiry. And those really simple practices um, are liberative. They will free you 
and they also will help you uh, access deeper levels of insight. And when we have deeper levels of insight and we recognize that we're always safe and we're all interconnected, there's really nothing to let go of. There's nothing to hold on to and there's nothing to let go of. It's just, you're just radically present and, and it's very, it, it's free. It feels like liberation. It feels great. So in this particular time, I'm, I'm liking the, the, the background on Leah here, right? So we've got the shelves and, and it's circular. And I feel like this is the circle of life. And people are being confronted by this idea that they're dying or could die. But with every death, there's always a rebirth. It's some of the conversation that we've been having a little earlier, right? That we're really in this opportunity to get present in our homes to let go. There's really only ourselves to contend with, you know, in that presence. And so in alchemy, right? It's like you're saying to, to radically shift is just also like Colleen's saying, it's already there. Right? We don't really have to do anything because it's already all there. But it seems like we still have to do something to let it go in order to receive it. And if it is just a reset button, we're just kind of on time delay, right? We're just like, oh, my upgrade's taking a while longer. As a, all of us in the earth are doing it at the same time. So, yeah, it's a good point. Can you hear me okay? Yes, yes. I mean, I guess in this point, in this circumstance or point in time, what we have to do is wait, you know, and stop. And then when we've kind of, oh, where's, where's Jacqueline going? No, no, I can, <laughs> I can still hear you. I'm going to see Summer. I can still hear you, but I'm coming off screen, so you won't hear the dog at the same time. Okay, no. <laughs> but it's a good point Jacqueline was making. She's like, you know, we're used to having to do something and we think we're not doing anything because we're waiting, but we really just have to wait. There's this, all this uh, waiting for that incubation period to go by and being self-isolated, but we're not really isolated. That's the thing. We don't, the structures nowadays is that we can be connecting with people overseas in an instant and we can be calling people. Things aren't as separate as they used to be, but we're feeling like we are separate and people are going into survival mode because of that. Leah, I think that's a great point. I, what I'm getting is that we're separate from our normal program and then that creates tension. It creates anxiety. Um, it, it makes us discombobulated because we are creatures of habit. Yeah, and waiting in the space of the unknown, as some of us know, is a very interesting muscle to tone. Yeah, it's to yeah. be in that receiving, because that's when we get to receive. When we don't push or strive or think or do, we can just be and then we become magnetic um, and things become obvious in that space that we give it. It's like someone trying to hand you um, a huge big watermelon, but you've got your arms closed. <laughs> you've got to open the space just to allow it to come. Yeah. 
and be okay just waiting for that transfer. I think that's what I hear you saying, Leah. Mm, yes. Yeah, definitely. Are you going to say something, Colleen? It looked like you were going to say something. Well, I think that there is, like, we do grieve. We grieve our losses, and I think it's important to grieve our losses. And sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes there's collective grief or there's collective, you know, panic or there's the collective unconscious that's playing on our um that's playing on our energy system and we're picking up on things that way but there's a technique that we can use and a lot of it's just inquiry so one of the questions we can ask ourselves and we can kind of tune into the heart and just say to ourselves it's like this now i really feel at a loss being out of my routine like i miss all the people at work or i miss you know, being able to go out and gather with people for coffee or for drinks or for whatever. So we can work with that and just remind ourselves, tuning into the body and the heart, it's like this now, I really miss whatever it is, or it's like this now, I'm used to having, you know, in the case here in the US, I'm used to having toilet paper. I might not have toilet paper you know, that's really awkward and just hold space for that uh, and acknowledge it. And if we can show up rather than being in denial and panic and pinging around, if we can just show up and meet our experience exactly as it is, that we, we feel much more free than if we try to go into denial or if we try to come up with some strategy because, I mean, this virus is ungovernable in a way. And so we have to recognize that we don't have control. We don't, we don't have control over so many things. But what we can do is just show up in the present moment with a little reminder, it's like this now. This is what I'm feeling right now. And just be really curious. Can I hold space for this discomfort? Can I hold space for this grief? Can I hold space for feeling totally lost right now. And in doing that, eventually we arrive at this um, observation that things are always changing. Because if we're tuning into what is it like right here, right now for me in this body at this moment in time, or what is it like for my children? Uh, I mean, children need attunement. And so children need, um, they actually need adults who can relate to how they're feeling and say, you know, it seems like you're feeling fearful right now. Like that's how we attune to children and then we can guide them from there. So we kind of have to match their energy and then we can steer it in another direction. Um, but with adults, we just do that attunement with ourselves. This is how it is right now. Can I hold space for this? Can I just be present for this? And it's a labor of love for the self but it prevents us from spinning out, from clinging and from panicking and doing all these things. So the benefit is for everyone. A couple of things that have come up for me here on this one is, so this idea of collective, collective unconsciousness or collective consciousness. So I'm going to propose that and essentially I, what I see is there's a clear division at the moment on that collective, it's like, there's a dividing line of those that really feel like if on a scale of one to 10, they're past the five, they're six to 10. 
that they're confident that this transformation is for the planet's good that we've been asking for. We didn't expect it to happen this way. Right. There's a definite collective consciousness of saying, in a way, there's a, like an inner, oh, isn't this cool? We're all experiencing something here. Yeah. The world is shut down. The, the air, air is, you know, you can see the clouds. I don't hear the planes the same way. People are inside the city and you can, you, you're like, wow, I can breathe in the city. When you're living outside the country, it's, it's not so much of a difference because you're used to quiet life. So that collective unconscious is going, and then there's this other collective unconsciousness. It's like, ah, you know, and, and right. personally, I think that's the shadow. I think we've already transformed. I feel that the, the collective consciousness is what many of us have been working on and doing that our vibe, as we were talking earlier with the love virus, like we're not this, this idea that there's something out there to get us is what we've been living our whole life. There's something out there I've got to do. There's something out there that's going to get me. The government's going to help me. That guy's going to give me the raise instead of trusting that everything's in here. And so to me, it's like collective unconsciousness, poof, the mother nature said, look, you're all stuck in your own house now. You're all stuck in your own body. You're all stuck here to look at what's going on in your life. And you get to see your own habits and belief systems. And if you've got millions of dollars, well, guess what? You can't go anywhere with that anymore. You can't travel. You can't go to a restaurant. Maybe you've been Mr. Greedy or Mrs. Greedy before, but now you're like, well, I'm going to go into a, um, you know, an underprivileged area, and I'm going to make sure they're all going to have food. You know, that that type of heart opening is going to happen. Right, that's 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 what we're given versus versus this 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 thing over here. I think it's just the old stuff. It's just the old stuff that you were talking about releasing. Is that true? Is any of that true? If you're really a spiritual being in consciousness and presence, is that really true? Nothing's really true. So pick a story that empowers you. Pick one that makes you want to share and go out there and and. Wow, I don't know where this all came from. But anyways, okay, so <laughs> it was like I left you guys and I came back and I felt like I needed to speak now. Okay, so so yeah, that's 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 what I'm feeling. I'm feeling this idea that our collective consciousness is passe, strong, and we've got this new one that we're all in, that we've done our inner work, and these people over here weren't ever gonna go through their inner work. They weren't gonna go to a mindfulness retreat. They weren't going to meditate quietly. They weren't going to do any of that. And now we've forced them into their house to look at their habits. <laughs> well, they might still be on. I mean, like people, yeah, people might still make, you know, habitual kinds of choices. But I think one of the things that you're pointing at, like the, when you get to the place where you're just being, you're not a story maker anymore. So you don't have to have a story about, the planet's getting better or the planet's getting worse or you know we're all in mayhem or whatever you're just being there's no you've transcended any need for a story and you're just resting with things as they are so you're resting in truth rather than trying to make a story to rationalize everything and when you can just be regardless of what's going on around you 
you don't feel panic. You don't feel, you don't, it doesn't feel crazy. It, to me, it, it feels like I feel there's a joyful, there's something very joyful about what's happening. There's a different kind of joy that I'm sensing out of this. And I, I assume that it, it actually might be the most healthy thing for the planet in the long run, but I don't, I'm not really making up any big stories. I'm just like, I'm just content and I feel, you know, I feel fine. And so that's like, you can choose to work toward arriving at that place. Um, you don't have to choose it. You can choose to, you know, stay wherever, wherever you are, but there's definitely a path if you're in anxiety and you're making up all these stories and you're, in you know greed or aversion or you know it feels like you're spiraling out of control there's liberative techniques that you can use some people have to do those techniques you know for lifetimes before they arrive at a kind of permanent state of liberation but you can get it in glimpses and if you have it in glimpses it transforms your relationship to the world and you start to feel the interconnected that you already have to everything you start to uh, acknowledge that there's unity and there's love um so it, it gets very quiet it's a very still it's a very still kind of existence and not everybody i think right now people are grieving the hubbub they're grieving the loss of the noise and the you know, the constant activity and it, it's a big adjustment to arrive at a place where stillness becomes your baseline. Um, but it's doable. It's possible. Let me just ask you that. Cause I'm also finding out, out of doing all these talks all day long, what I'm at now, like eight hours, nine hours is there seems to be a bit of a different vibe that comes out of the U S as opposed to other places in the world. So I just want to get clear here what each of your three experiences are, okay? Okay, so sure. Let's start with Zia. Are you, how are you experiencing your community right now? Would you say, you know, what's going on there? Like that people, that's the whole point. Global party, we want to just make sure that everybody gets an idea that everybody's having a different experience and it's okay that we're having a different experience. There isn't just one way that people are going through this. At the moment, um, we, we're just having the, in, the exponential increase, like the doubling of numbers. So now things are sort of actually starting to show up here of people being infected, having symptoms. But we also have, I think in Australia, we're a little bit um, removed from the rest of the world. So we can be a little bit blasé. So there, while a lot of people are actively so self-isolating even though we're not being forced to there's still people going out they talked about bondi beach being packed yesterday or the day before and and there were people that were quite horrified by that and then but i guess um at the moment it hasn't hit us like other countries but we still get stuff like we have streaming of us and the the last thing i saw in the news was um someone going we're at war and we need to treat it like war. And I, I was just like sitting there and like looking at the TV go, oh my God, because I think the language we use is that we use the fight against, but we do hear the US use the war against. 
and that might be just that we're so far removed that we don't actually bother to come to war half the time but you know it, it, it's a very different language um, but both of them have the same thing as if we need to resist something outside, something of, ourselves. outside of ourselves it's not that different it's, it's like a slightly different decision on how we might that's what's going on at least from my perspective of Australia and and Tess is that your experience too in your community and, and around you yes I would I would definitely say that that there is definitely like everyone's not like 100% on board like in Italy like we're not behaving like Italy total lockdown yeah. Um, you know, our schools are still open, public transport's still open, um, you know, but we're all being told not to go to work if we can avoid it, so don't go to work. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of mixed messages here, I think, from our government, and I think people are confused and they're looking to research, a lot of research, there's a lot of ideas about why this is happening where it's come from what's the hidden agenda I mean, we do get a lot of american news um you know is it about the presidency the campaign you know blah 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 um so i think we're just australia in general is um she'll be right mate like <laughs> it's all up to it's all up to all it's the other agenda which is going on in the world and how is that going to impact us here because we're in the you know, obviously in the land of, you know, prawns on the barbie and hanging out at the beach. So <laughs> how does this impact us when America goes to shit? You know, um, I think that's what a lot of people are doing. Yeah. Me personally, I feel great. I, feel, I have never felt happy like this since I think the last, it was just before my father died. So it'd be like 2008. Have I ever felt this ecstatic and happy? I feel very calm. Very calm. <laughs> I'm like, wow, look at all this shit going on. Look at everybody doing all of this stuff. This is fantastic. Um, I just feel joyful and I feel super present um, and I feel alive. I feel I actually feel like I was born for this world. I finally feel like I'm in the world now rather yeah. than a black sheep or yes. not understanding or feeling like the odd one out. I'm like, wow, I actually am living. Like It feels like living. Yeah, I've heard that a lot from a lot of people that are, are have been doing healing work for a, a long time. That, that it's like they, they just feel like they've been waiting their whole life for this moment. Mm. We didn't know it. I I just felt like yesterday. I think the same thing. It's just like, oh my gosh, every single thing in my life, every I can just see clearly now how it's so designed for this. You know. Um, and, and that would explain why when I would go to the tarot card readers back, you know, years ago and they go, oh, I can't tell you what you're doing because I don't think they knew what I was supposed to be doing because it hadn't come yet, right? Um, mm -hmm. Purpose. So in Toronto, where I am now in Canada, just to give you another little perspective, is um, pretty much there's a forest sort of right in our city here. It's right really near. And so we can take the dogs and I, they go free and we... We'll walk on the path. Sometimes we brush. We brush. Two and a half meters apart, you know, whatever. That's like six feet, as they're kind of saying, social distancing. Our grocery stores, our transit, all our, our that is open. But the restaurants are closed for two weeks. The kids were on March break last week. So they closed. They just said, um, 
take another two weeks. So earlier tonight, I had one of my friends on who was just saying how the difference in government and why you have to really trust yourself because he left on a Wednesday to go to Costa Rica from Toronto. On the Thursday, the premier of Ontario said, yeah, you know what? Just go ahead, everybody, go on your March vacation. You know, go on your March break, wherever you need to go. So everybody flew out. And then three days later, the prime minister said, okay, everybody come home. So it was like, okay, who who do you believe? And so they went within and decided to trust, you know, where do you get, you've got to go on airlines. You know, they looked at these things and they assessed, we'll just come home when we need to come home. But the impact of other people is what he was saying is because then you've got all these other people saying, are you aware you're supposed to come home? Do you know what's going on? And I feel that that's more of the contagious factor. Because if none of us are watching the news, if we're having the media fast, like Colleen said, and someone's coming along and telling us, do you know? And you're like, no, I didn't know. I, I, I didn't really care to know, but thank you for telling me. Um, it's like you're saying is that dumping earlier tests, right? They, they dump on you when you weren't expecting, and then you have to go, okay, I'm responsible for releasing that and clearing that. And if that's one of the things that's going on for all of us now, learning how to manage our energy and our space and drawing boundaries, be still being loving and kind, then that's a real gift too. And so, in Toronto, most people are feeling that I've met, it's like a forced mental health break and they're actually enjoying it. If I get them, if they start to say, uh, and I say to them in a moment in the forest, they say, well, you know, really, how are you feeling? Because I'm only going to tell you the positive side. They go, really, it's positive? Okay, good. And then they immediately go, oh, I, I just needed somebody to tell me it was positive. Some people are like, I thought I was in denial, you know, and it's like they just need somebody to say it's really okay. That's what's happening here. We all know what's happening in the States, Colleen, but what's happening for you? Because well, so I not like I definitely am very informed and I read the news. I find out what's going on, but I also I've worked in healthcare and I've seen uh, firsthand where you know we had to issue quarantines because diseases are contagious and they can kill people. That's a reality. So I have you know medical people in my life. And uh, one of them is the chief of staff at a big hospital. He's very scared. He really believes that a lot of lives are going to be lost and that there will be significant human losses. Um, I think the science and the math also points to that the potential for um, incredible loss is very real. So I think that we're dealing with this virus that has its own life and it it doesn't have regard for whether people live or die. Um, so I think that the threat is incredibly real. And I think that, you know, if you look at the, at the science of why people need to do social distancing, it's really clear that the disease is going to die down if it doesn't have carriers. So from the math and science point of view, I, I mean, I take it all very seriously. And I think that um, it might actually be nature's way of um, thinning out the human population. To me, it seems like um, as a species, 
we have kind of overextended ourselves on planet earth. So it might be a natural cor correction. I, I don't know, but um, I know where I live, all the restaurants are closed. Um, you can get groceries. The grocery shelves are almost bare. I mean, people really panicked and they bought almost everything. Um, you can, you can still go to the bank. You can still go to the pharmacy. The schools are closed. And what I was reading in the news today is that we might be in for this in five month long cycles where when the virus is really active and spreading, we have to practice diligent social distancing. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just challenge you a little bit on this one here for a sec because I'm sure I heard you say earlier, you know, things are a story. Right? We tell ourselves a story. So is it is it a story we're being told about the significance of this? Because in our experience here, life and death happen all the time. And when you really get to the statistics of it all, you know, I think someone, uh, Joyce from Netherlands said earlier that 25,000 people die of starvation every single day on this planet. And nobody's talking about that, right? And nobody's talking about how many people die from a car accident every day, which, you know, the, the numbers are quite different. Is it that we're being told the story about this whole thing that is then creating more of the story of the fear and hence keeping those people in that space of fear? Well, I definitely think there is fear in response to the stories. I, I mean, I definitely think that's very real. And <clears throat> I think that there's precautionary measures that we can take. Mm -hmm. And there's certain people who are going to overreact and certain people who are going to be more prone to fear. So, I mean, I heard that some people are like going out and buying firearms, afraid that they're going to have to actually defend all of the, you know, whatever the canned goods that they're storing or whatever. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope that it doesn't come to that. Um, so I think that the story definitely ratchets up the fear. And, but at the same time, I think it's a deadly illness. I mean, I think it is a deadly illness. And I think it's, it's overwhelming hospitals. It's overwhelming healthcare workers. Um, and some of that is the story. Some people are just, you know, catching a cold and they're just totally freaked out. So they want to get tested, but you know, there's not enough tests. There's not enough here in the U S there's a huge shortage of supplies for medical personnel. There's a shortage of, you know, like the, the masks and things like that. So it's, it's like definitely chaotic. It's definitely chaotic. So um, but gonna, I, I'm going to actually take that story that you're just saying, cause okay. So test alchemized. Okay, we've, we've got this sense of, because I can feel it, right? It's like, you know, this whole part of, of healing from the inside out is to take these experiences that we're having and to transform them. So we recognize that we have everything that we're really talking about as a spiritual being. When we talk about if we're present and everything is present in that moment, then I just feel like this is this time that, really 
we need to be who we say we're being versus just talking about it. We have to be it. So if if there's a story about this this whole thing, how can we alchemize it? Leah or Tess, because you both alchemize, you, you unravel things. Oh, we're very good friends. Yeah. yeah, you go for it, Leah, because I feel like this is your segment. Oh, okay, well, I mean, this is my perspective of my research is that um, the latest stuff has come about South Korea and they've done the best way to manage. I mean, they still have some deaths, but they've done the best to manage it in that they allowed four companies to manufacture tests, tests really early. And so they have heaps of tests and they don't just test the people who have symptoms, they're testing people who they suspect you know, from like church groups and stuff, like someone showed up to the community and they're catching hold of it a lot faster. Um, the other aspect is that their statistics are different to the rest of the world. So their death rates are a lot lower than the rest of the world because of the way that they're testing. And then they're responding to it by instead of, they learned their lesson early that people who are critically ill go to hospital and they've set up interim clinics for people who just have mild symptoms because a lot of people are just having they're not even showing symptoms and they're all they're having mild symptoms and there's only like 20 percent or even less that are having and what we they're they're assuming is called the cytokine storm inside of our lungs so it's our own we're having so they i looked it up it's like you're having a pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory cytokine response at the same time causing chaos in your own lungs and your immune system is causing damage to the point your organs are failing and they're the people who are and then of course if you're immune compromised you're going to always be a weak link the other thing that's interesting is that in SARS MERS and COVID-19 or coronaviruses children under 10 are not dying none of them died during SARS or MERS it was only um the older you get like so there's something going on, and that's where i think the key is it's like why are kids having very mild symptoms or just fever and like you know is it something about our nutrition or is it something about the older we get or the pollutants or the toxic metals or something that make us more susceptible as we get older what is it and um, instead of searching for a vaccine which they never found for SARS or MERS they never created a a viable vaccine for it so why are we searching for a vaccine why not find that mysterious structure that seems like these kids that are like you know getting over it really quickly why not find out why and put more money and research into that so like it's like i guess the overall story i'm trying to say is that it's like our response to it that seems to be making a difference to how the outcome is rather than um, you know, us all going into panic because this is like the unknown and, um, yeah, we can respond to it differently. I think yeah. the, I, what I heard there is how we respond. We're all so-called being affected by this, this, as we were calling it some of us earlier, this gift, this gift that's causing us this experience to cause a transformation and yes in this experience it is going to cause some deaths it is going to cause stress it is going to cause suffering but that's always been a part of i go back to the background of leah the circle of life okay so we're being confronted now by death because it could be lingering there any moment outside in front of us right that's the 
that's the, you know, it's like, ooh, it could get me. And I'm, I'm not ready, right? You know, and I mean, in that situation, but it's the response of each country and what everybody's doing is different. It's the response of what you were talking about earlier, Tess, about how you help people respond to the situation. And that's only something we can control, right? That's what each of us can control. We can't control anything else. We can't control if they have tests or if they don't have tests. We can't control if people stay in their houses or don't stay in their houses. We can't control that they're buying or we can't control any of that. All we can control is our own beingness. And isn't that what most of us have been on this journey to do is to notice who we who we are a being and we've been on that journey and now the whole world is actually getting that education in a really quick way it's like you can't do anything anymore sorry there's just you just can't do it you can hang out in nature you can go get groceries go on the internet but all you're doing this is gone So response, response. I think that's brilliant. Response. So response. What do you have to test? Respond to the response. <laughs> what uh, when you were just sharing that, Jacqueline? What jumped out for me really big time was that like something is going to get us. We're going to die at any moment, and we don't know. And that is the absolute truth. And that has been since the day we were born. Yeah. Or even so, the moment we were conceived, that that is the yeah. absolute truth. And death at any time nothing's ever guaranteed no we've just it's almost like the frenzy of the reset button let's call it a reset button yeah um to start again in a new way um is is create is the panic and the response the reaction to that not the response but the reaction to it is creating another imaginary tiger like and so our nervous systems have all gone haywire mm -hmm. in that. And so we're reacting um, in old ways, in scarcity ways. Yeah. Yeah, that was what really jumped out for me was the old program. Yeah, it's the old program. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, I'm noticing myself and other people are having sniffles having like slightly sore throats, people having full on fever and getting tested and it's not coronavirus. It's like a reality, like the stress of it probably is bringing our immune system down anyway and we're getting more susceptible. Um, yeah, our response is, is affecting our reality to almost make it be true until we get a test or objective feedback that it's not actually what we think it is. Mm, and then there's false positives as well. Yeah, so true. you know, yeah. what do you want to rely on? Just want to rely on your intuition, self-love, yeah. like really, like and just bring it back in. That's right, bring it back to yourself. <laughs> well, I also someone told me, and I'm not um biblical, uh, but there was a, some Chris scripture somewhere that said, um, you you said you would only take a thousand, and you took a million, and no, I only took a thousand. The fear or took the million. Mm. And to me, this is that idea the virus itself is 
I, I kind of, it might be going everywhere, but the real statistics of what's going on so far have been manageable. But the conversation about it, because there were more H1N1 deaths, right, in 2009. It was a pandemic. Most people didn't even know. Really? We had a pandemic already? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. ah, yes. And when Addie was talking earlier about, you know, what you think about, you bring about. How many people go, have gone and watched all those movies about the end of the earth or the end of time and the magic virus and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So now we're in the experience. And it's not as bad as the movies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting like zombies. My husband's waiting for zombies to come out, like flesh-eating zombies, because it's more entertaining. But I mean, I don't want to live that. But yeah, it's true. The um, H1N1 is a different. It's a different family, and it's definitely way more. Uh, you consider that way more deadly. Ebola, way more, um, way more deaths and fatalities. But um, yeah, this this one is. You used to be before the whole, uh, the last three big ones, which was SARS, MERS, and COVID, um, used to be just a common cold. That was what the coronavirus is. Um, SARS, apparently, the Chinese government, because it came out of there as well, uh, kept it quiet. So we didn't have the panic. We also didn't have social media like we do now. So we didn't have that contagion of panic that happened for this one. Um, even though they kept a little bit quiet, but they didn't keep it as long as SARS. They actually kept it quiet for a year, I think. So no one knew the SARS was going round. And well, in Toronto, we actually had one of the the people come from the rest. So we had twenty twenty three or twenty four deaths in Toronto related to SARS, and we were WHO said don't go there, right? So we were all aware of it. We've had mm. deaths in in Ontario, like in related to this situation. So um, there are things we learned from that. But what I'm saying is life just went on completely the same when when that happened, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the difference is the conversation that everything is shut down. So everybody, then if you're listening to the news, you're starting to wonder what's really gonna happen. And if we start to trust in here, we go, yeah, there's going to be, industry might never be the same. There may never be the same sort of flight schedule, you know, that we had. Um, travel might change. But Airbnb already started to shift travel. So the hotel chains were already, you know, having issues. So there is a redistribution going on in the whole economy. And I think it's, I'm like, Tess, I'm like, yeah, okay. It's an exciting time. <laughs> An exciting time. This is more of to me instead of watching a baseball game, a soccer game, or a football game, right? Or rugby. It's like, oh wow! Let's watch how this plays out. Woo. Yeah, and that perspective as well, Leah, that you were bringing in about the other viruses and that, and just what as you were sharing that, Jacqueline. What really, what I downloaded was that there's still those wars that are going on in the world. There's still malaria deaths. There's still people starving, all of that is still going on, but we've always lived in a way in the Western world, so so to say, yeah. that um, that it doesn't impact us. Right. 
you know we get to choose if we want to engage in that conversation if we want to do something about it you know if we want to support uh, but most of the time it's not on anybody's radar at all and so now it's like we're getting this crisis moment where we're like because of the media frenzy really um, you know is um, wow we're we're suffering we're having these these things put onto us just like what has been going on in the world for decades centuries millennia in other in other parts of the world so I think it's very humbling I'm finding a humbleness in that and uh, uh, I'm feeling it's important for me anyway to remember that there's other people that don't have the opportunity to afford toilet paper they just don't have any you know so put it into perspective yeah yeah, I went to the bank the other day and um, some of the tellers had, you know, the masks on and I was just saying, how are you guys making out here? Because I'm sure some of the people don't want to be there, right? Because some of the, like a lot of workers are off, but some of the other ones are saying, well, you're, you're still got to show up. You've got to be there. And some of them, are, the, the bank manager said, you know, my parents came from Syria. They lived through war for five years no water, no electricity. She said it could have been very easy for them to shut down everything entirely in the city for three weeks. Just send everybody home and just say, there's nothing to do but hang out in your house. She goes, they're all about money here. And she worked for bank, but, <laughs> but I mean, in a, in a sense, there is that Western world has always put money as a priority, right? And I think that is also being a shift and, and, and that will change as I heard, you know, I've heard a few people, small business owners going, okay, I'm committed to getting my employees paid through this. You know, I don't know quite how I'm going to do this, but one guy was like, if I have to tap into my personal savings, I'm going to do it because he just feels obligated, you know, to take care of them. The government has cut kicked in that sure People can get unemployment insurance um, and take care of that part. So there is money that's being geared toward part-time employees who are losing work. But, I, but it is that idea that we have, we're in that space that it's time to take care of everybody. Mm. And not just over here. It's like in Africa, Ebola, you know, like we, they used to test you before you went into the country, right? That was um, a protocol because they wanted to make sure you weren't bringing, bringing anything in. And so lots of that, as you were saying, is going on and they don't have food or electricity or water and we're sitting at home going, ah, you know what, when I go to the store, there might not be some things there. Or I can't go no. to the restaurant, my favorite sports team is, or is gone. That doesn't take away from the healthcare, like your family, Colleen, and the people that are in healthcare, because they're again inundated with all that experience. Um, you know, the people that are showing up to do those things, they still need to be acknowledged, right? But it is yeah. restructuring on, on every single level. Yeah, it's a whole way of life that, you know, potentially it, sh it could be over. I mean, it, it could shift the way that we live. So I don't really want to minimize that. But at the same time, I think that there's probably opportunities in it, you know? Um, 
And I have heard that some of the medical staff are are kind of exhausted and they're sort of tapped out. Um, I don't, I mean, my son's an EMT and, and he's, you know, fine. He still has a normal schedule. And, um, but I think it depends on how many cases are in a specific community. Um, and then because of the nature, because of how contagious the disease is, I think that there's just an edge um, that um, potentially, yeah, it, I mean, it could level the way that we've lived for a long time. So I don't really want to minimize that because I think it is a big deal. And I think that we have to acknowledge losses and we have to support people through whatever kind of change cycle it is. And with that, you know, it's, grief and loss and anger and all of those things are really just normal things that happen to human beings when they go through a huge period of loss. So to me, I see people struggling with, they're just not used to, I mean, like I'm a householder yogi. I'm like, I have a practice of just being right. But most people don't. A lot of people are just driven and they're used to, you know, going and having freedom and having whatever they want at their fingertips and being able to purchase new things. And, you know, it's, um, so it's a big shift. And, and I'm, yes, I mean, it's a big shift. And then I'm hearing test words like, like there's some people that don't have toilet paper and there's some for it's not going to change their way of life for some people it won't change their way of life and can we can we you know figure out how to live without toilet paper we probably can i mean i think there's i think there's many things that we could live without there's we could definitely live much more simple lives uh, and and to me i think that actually might be more harmonious um, more harmonious for the environment, more harmonious for the natural world. Um, but it's still an adjustment for people who are used to having comforts at their disposal every day. So it's, it's a good point, actually, regarding like when you go into grief or and everything like that, you forget that there's support out there. Like you go into the pain so much that you forget all the opportunities that are available to you in the moment, unless you've gone through the shift already of being able to sit in your own stuff and and sit in the chaos that might be going on and being able to just be with it. Um, but if you haven't got that, you you believe the stories and then you forget and you can't even see all the potential help that could be available to you in that moment. <coughs> and there's something, there's something really beautiful what if I'm we, sorry. What if we just let go of the story, right? What if we just had a brand new moment now? Brand new moment now. Brand new moment now. Brand new moment now. Well, we do have that. So if we have that, then the stories from the past aren't here, are they? Because it's a brand new moment now, unless we're bringing those stories in, unless we, each of us, are bringing that story forward. And I think that's where it gets into the territory of, you know, unconscious DNA um, stuff that we're not aware of, the story, when we're not aware of the story. That's where the work that Leah and I do is based on intuition. 
where we can go into those parts or you know we can we can see past the rational mind and the the fog that it creates in what is really running the show and a big part of the training and the work was is about being able to see what stories are running like the intuition's there all the time but it's just whispering in the background and unless you can just sit and be or you can be able to get into the unconscious and bring it into consciousness and go oh this is this isn't true like i believe it like i feel like i believe it but actually when i bring it to light it's not true and then suddenly like then you can tap into the intuition that's just always sitting there always giving you the next step that you don't have to have like 10 steps in advance worked out because you can trust that connection gold right there gold say it again i can't i could say it again. Let, let me see if i could say it again because it was brilliant um <laughs> it happens all the time what did i say um that when you think that when you th think and feel that something is real yeah you're conscious of that and if you allow yourself to bring the unconscious to consciousness then you can usually see that's not real at all um even though it might you might think it and might feel that it's real uh so we can't once we bring what's dark up to the light once we bring what's hidden up into being seen only then can we really get those intuitive streams of information that are there all the time uh, because by naming it it releases the energy by acknowledging it it releases the energy paraphrasing slightly but pretty much in essence leah when you shed the load on in, in a flashlight in a dark room it's no longer dark mm -hmm. right so to me this is what i was saying about consciousness if we're all this consciousness saying hey you know what we see this as a transformation right we are experiencing this as this transformation we are that light that is shining back over here and so that is only going to have that ability for them to heal from the inside out um you know it's interesting like for me way back three years ago it was like the, the number that came through me that was like i'm the vision or the expression of one billion people being healed from the inside out and i remember like one billion people wow and people said one billion people that's a lot of people and i'm like i'm not directly responsible for that but i'm that vision that's being there and i was like hmm that might take 25 30 years but yesterday i was just like you know what we could all be healed from the inside out in this like poof who would have thought everybody is in their own inner being now in their own space and if they can transform we can we could have it faster than we think it was sure there might be an elastic band it might be a forward and a backwards a little bit and some rebalancing but if we feel we're moving forward if we feel we're having this shift that bringing things back into balance if that's what comes in through the heart because you're not going to get that answer up here because i'm going to have the story so i'm having the story i'm the forever optimist i have the story it's all working out okay but in my heart, 
I completely feel that this is like Tess said earlier, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Right? That this is this is it. This is it. Yeah. And it's interesting that languaging that you use about moving forward or feeling like you're moving forward. And what research and science is showing, you know, is that we have this torus field, this toroidal field that encompasses us. It, and each organ has one. Um, and that's that, that's that energy that is, it's like the Tesla energy coil, you know, it's forever, you know, this, and, and so it's like this donut thing. Yeah, it's this donut of energy which is moving all the time. And it gives us the appearance that we're moving forward. But actually what we're doing is we're standing completely still and we're experiencing things that are coming into our realm, into our awareness. And so I've, I've often found that if I let go of that moving forward, um, I let go of the strive, the push, the comparison. And it helps me come to just being in an experience yeah. and noticing that that has changed from the previous experience. Um, yeah, I just find that really powerful. It's yeah, fascinating. Stay, stay present. Mm. Yes. But being, I mean, being doesn't always mean that it's painless, that there isn't a struggle. And I think it's, you know, if, if we look at nature, for example, when a snake sheds its skin, even though that's just, you know, it's truth, it's outgrown its skin, it struggles to release the old skin. There's a, like a really visible struggle that goes on. And it's the same thing. I think you were using this metaphor of, you know, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. There's some point at which there's some distress in the caterpillar and it needs to to go through definite physical steps in order to transform. And then when it, and then it goes into the chrysalis and it's in this gelatinous stage where it's like nothing. And then when the butterfly emerges, if you've ever seen that, it's really messy. It looks almost bloody. So even though, you know, we're saying that, you know, this might be in the end of a very, it could potentially be a very good thing. That doesn't mean that it's going to be painless, whether you have a story or not, there might still be some pain and some struggle. And that, so the transition, you know, it, it might not be a, this easy thing. It, it might not be. It's true. Like, um, I mean, if you look at all the shifts that might have happened in your life, usually there's some discomfort that drove you to look deeper into why and look into yourself. It's just whether you panic or whether you take the time to, to go through the transformation that that potential is there to go through at that time. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I mean, most of it's uncomfortable. And grief and anxiety and pain, those are intelligences that, I mean, I just don't want to discard them as if, you know, everybody should be beyond them. There's intelligence in human emotions. And so rather than blocking it, if we can show up for it, if grief is being known, if panic is being known, if anxiety is being known, if resistance is being known, those are all lawful in the sense that they happen to human beings. And so I don't, I guess, I think that there's value in just showing up and being present for 
life as it emerges without judging it right or wrong or without trying to say that, you know, we're all going to be in our happy place because I, I don't think we are. I think we're going to have to embrace discomfort and that there's great um, strength that comes from experiencing failure and experiencing struggle. So I guess I don't, I don't necessarily think that just because we don't have a story, it's going to be this really easy thing. It could be, but it might not be. Yeah. And I, I can speak for myself, like me going from the caterpillar to like the butterfly and that experience of breaking down. There's all kinds just the other night. Like it was like, it was like all of a sudden experience in my heart and I, I could feel the cracking and the expression and I cried for like an hour and a half. I, I call that releasing, right? right. I, go, I go, Hey, I can feel something here that is foreign to who I am and I'm releasing it. Whereas 10 years ago, I would have said, oh my gosh, I have this pain in my heart, I'm sad, why am I sad? Where's the pattern? What do I need to do? How do I need to look at it? Where now it's just like, okay, this, this doesn't belong to me. This I can tell, right? You know, so let the emotion go, go through it, release it. So most definitely we need People need to go through their things. It's like the butterfly has to have the wings strong enough to get out of the chrysalis. So there's a reason each of us have so-called trials and tribulations because we're each going to have whatever we need. My personal belief, everybody's going to receive whatever they need to receive in order for them on their journey. I do feel I'm a, like a, whether I'm a, I won't know until one day I still have these ideas of the universe. Like, am I a spiritual being? I'm a holographic image. What the heck it is? Am I just a, an expression of the divine? But I'm going to get to that point where I signed up for this. I was like, this is, this is your role, Jacqueline. Do you want to play it? And I was like Meryl Streep. And I went, yeah, I can play that one really well. Ooh, -hoo, yeah, ooh, I can do that. Right? Can't do Leah. Can't do Tess. No, no, Colleen, I can't do that either. Right? She meditates too long. Um, you know, but that's the idea is I signed up and, and then I forgot I signed up. And then I went and wallowed around in self-pity and said, please, somebody rescue me and had that experience. And then I was like, okay, I got to rescue myself. And then, and then I'm here. Yeah. I mean, like that's, that's kind of what I wanted, like the topic I wanted to talk about was, um, you know, like you can you can utilize all this, all the grief, or you know, all the uh, uncomfortableness or the uncomfortable emotions, and make that mean something about you and your survival and your limitations, and that things aren't going to work out for you. Or you could use it as creative fuel. Like there's a lot of um, innovation. Like you know, I think World War Two, while like there was a lot of terrible things that happened, there was like a big burst of technology and things like that because. It was like that discomfort and the humanity has this creativity in us and each person has their own thread of what their creativity doesn't have to be just art. There's different ways. You can have a healing art. You can be do, creating technology, but it's that discomfort that can be creative fuel to bring into something that is beyond like the everyday norm that we have toilet paper and that we can go out and go to a cafe and things like that. It's like suddenly something changes and who knows how Airbnb and Uber and all that came about. Like that may have came about through discomfort as well, but they did change society and change how we 
we operated, even though in reality, nature's still there, the butterflies are still there, birds are still singing each day, you know, there's all this stuff that's going on in our perception. But yeah, but then in, in that, we can be creating stuff from this. Things can go on, a, it doesn't have to go down a trajectory of doomsday, it could go into something way beyond that we wouldn't have happened if we didn't have i don't know the mass panic of the toilet paper i guess i don't know yeah, <laughs> i'm not sure where the point is of the panic that happened but nobody does but but that's the you know that's the funny thing is i don't think anybody understood why it was toilet paper that was the first thing that people went to grab like like it's, I had, I think I posted something that someone had given me. It was like, well, if you need 144 rolls of toilet paper, <laughs> there's something else going on with you, you know? Um, it's the same, it's like listening, lightening up. Someone else was saying, I used to cough to cover up my fart. And now I have to fart to cover up my <laughs> cough, right? You know, and it's, it's like, we need to relax about, because if we really know, the media has always been there to keep us, they sell, like even in, in, in Canada here, people are starting to wake up to it and they're saying, what the heck, man? They, they said, this is what we're doing, we're, we've limited it now from 100 to 50, and the media are saying, oh, so you're saying it's getting worse? Why didn't you do that yesterday? And it's like, because today, you know, it's the first time I heard the government be present. Today, it's going to be 50. Today, we have new information. Today, this is how it's going to be. And they're like, so you made a mistake. And it's like, so things are getting worse. And 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 this is what people are telling me that they're hearing and they're feeling. They're noticing in their self, why am I listening to this? They're not helping me. And that is the gift of their experience, Right is if they start to notice the fear or they're getting anxious, so they're just getting tight because they're listening to someone. If they're identifying with somebody else, maybe a best friend or a good friend that is, we had a woman here earlier, her husband worked for the CDC. Can, oh, in, in Australia, you might not know what that is. That's the um, um, uh, Center for Disease Control in the States. Oh, CDC. Okay. okay. So, and he, so he comes home and I said, my hat goes off to you because I, I, I wouldn't know what to do with, with if, you know, with all that information he had, right? I'd be like, talk to the pillow first, get rid of it. <laughs> you know, like, because, but he needs to share, like, because he's had this experience. So she says, like, she's in prayer mode way longer. She's on gratitude mode because she knows she needs to keep herself strong because her environment now has changed with her husband about what he's having to deal with. So I don't think there's any answer for any of us. But I love the fact that you were saying make grief your creative fuel because everybody here or have a purpose and their job is to be purposeful and we're creative beings, then this grief that everybody's experiencing, wow, we could have so many amazing things happen beyond our wildest comprehension because people get creative. Yeah. Oh, Leah, oh, just got some gold. Um, if grief is an energy and we take the label grief off it, it's still an energy. So if we're finding that we're energized by something, grief, 
joy, whatever, do something with it. Um, I think that's in a nutshell, really, is if you take off the emotion from the energy that you're feeling, it's still energy that you can use in the creative orientation is preferred rather than going deeper down into the spiral of darkness. Exactly. Writing it. Yeah, as soon as you make it about you and whether you're not going to survive or someone's out to get you, as soon as that, like, you've just lost all that. It's kind of like intuition, right? That creativity is there all the time, ready to be tapped into. The intuition's there all the time to be tapped into. But as soon as you're like this idea of, you know, separation or unviability, I'm not going to survive, and, and there's like a, a time limit that we have and that's it, <laughs> It's like you've just squashed any of that flow that could be moving through you, really. Can I just throw like a whole new angle into this conversation? Go for it. Okay. So I was having this conversation with one of my um, senior teachers, a, a meditation master, and he's written several books. His belief is that everything is predetermined. So while we're sitting here talking about, well, we could use this approach or we could use that approach, consider that all of this might already be scripted. And this is what he said. It's important to keep in mind that none of us is in control of these lives. Ramana Maharshi, who was the great saint from India, who, you know, people traveled the world over to visit him and ask him questions and he would be able to uh, give scientists answers to the problems and things of this nature and it, you know he was uh, a great a great saint so ramana maharshi and albert einstein discovered the same thing the questioner said how did you make your amazing discoveries and einstein replied i claim credit for nothing everything is determined the beginning as well as the as well as the end by forces over which we have no control. It's determined for the insect as well as for the star, human beings, vegetables, or cosmic dust. We all dance to a mysterious tune intoned in the distance by an invisible piper. So then the questioner asked Ramana Maharshi, are only the important things in a person's life, such as their main occupation or profession predetermined or are trifling acts also, such as taking a cup of water or moving from one part of the room to another? And Ramana replied, everything is predetermined. Yeah. I, it's a different, I, I it's a whole different take on it. I didn't see it's a whole changing conversation though, because to me that's kind of what it's all been being said. Well, I think that people are kind of, you know, I guess I've heard different things, like if you tap into your intuition, then this, or if this, then that. And we might not even have that much control. We might not. It might be delusion. We might all just be delusional that we have choice, that we can um, create change in the world. I personally, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I would like to, to um, like I talk about inner guidance because I feel like people can relate to that conversation. But I feel like I'll say to people this concept of my free will, my free will chooses my inner guidance. 
my inner guidance is really me surrendering to the role that I am in the production that's going on here. So it's like, I have just sort of downloaded when I said, I feel like I finally have been designed for this. It's like, I finally got to this other surrender that this has nothing to do with me completely. I mean, I've had glimpses of that. I just have to show up and what comes out of me comes out of me. It's like when, when Tess is saying tonight, there's the download, right? It's like, so I feel like, you know, there's people that have said, oh, they could have seen this 10 years ago or a hundred years ago. It was, this was forecasted that was going to happen in this way. And if you just knew that, then it all comes back to the moment, doesn't it? In that sense of, it's all there. We're all doing it and we have no control over it. The, the young group that we had from Costa Rica, that's their whole beingness is that they, they went through all their belief systems, et cetera, their shadows to come to the point of saying, is there any difference I really make? Because it's, if it's all predetermined, is there any difference I really make? Then that could mean everybody just lies around. Right. So I feel like everybody has, it's like a symphony. Sometimes we're arrests, sometimes we're emotion and who, whatever we're being and whatever we're thinking is part of that process. Right. If we're thinking it's intuition, isn't that part of the whole thing? It's predestined. If everything's predestined, if you're going to say that everything we're talking about is scripted, we were really good actors, everybody. Yeah. We've read our parts and we've done them really well. And, and that's what it is. Does it really, does it truly really matter? Except if you're uncomfortable with the situation and you're holding on to that uncomfortableness. And then again, then it's all perfect, isn't it? Because then you have that experience. Mm, who was it? Was it Bruce Lipton said that we've actually come here to just eat chocolate and experience life? <laughs> is that right? <laughs> we've just we've just come here to experience um i was watching soul sessions with oprah and uh there was a guy on there i can't remember his name but she said she came across his book like 30 years ago and it completely changed her life and he has this analogy between the mothership which is the soul and then you're the little boat on the ocean down here and that your role is to keep following the mothership and our free will allows us the opportunity to, like a plane, to, to go off course and course correct. And that that is our, so that we can have this physical experience in, you know, otherwise we're just love. Um, up there without a body, you know, we can't have hot and cold or chocolate. Um, and so, yeah, I, I found that really amazing to, to have that sense of, it, yeah, it probably is predetermined. A lot of things are predetermined. I also kind of subscribe to that there are multiple ways that we can go that are predetermined and that's where our free will comes in. So we could choose lots of things. And I watched The Notebook last night. I don't know if you've seen it. Spoiler alert. Yeah. At the end, um, the question is raised is, um, is our love strong enough? for us to be together like forever and then they go to sleep 
and that's it. So it's like they chose love to be together and to die at the same time together in their sleep. And I was like, wow, that's so amazing. Like just the power of love and the intention to never be without each other. That deep soul commitment to, to, to take the last breaths together um, is something that is predetermined for them. It was so obvious that they needed to be together in that movie forever and just the synchronicity it was just yeah i just feel it's rather apt at the moment if we're talking about free will and the power of our intention to follow our truth of our soul expression i think we've touched on many different levels of this experience and I think if I went back and I go listen to it, I'd be amazed at some of the things we actually said. So um, I know Leah, you probably want to even expand on the creativity, but I'm going to say, because give this opportunity, because it's nine o'clock, if, if um, you need to disembark, if there's any last parting words, then let's, let's start with, we'll start with, Tess, Colleen, and Leah, and we'll go from there. Is there anything else you want the viewers to know at this point in time about this, about this whatever it's happening? I feel like I just said that. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, I guess all I have to say, I'm not an expert. I, I don't really, I don't know what to say other than um, I think that there are ways that we can meet the moment that reduce our suffering. And if we can reduce our own suffering, um, that goes, it spreads. So, but I, like, I'm not really an expert in any of this. It's just simply a conversation opportunity. I, I, I wish everyone well. I, I sincerely hope that, um, you know, people aren't needlessly suffering. That's very important to me, but. Um, to follow on from that, yeah, like uh, Colleen said, it, like when you reduce suffering, it spreads and, you know, suffering can spread as well. And I think that's, I, I kind of saw like this virus, like being contagious and going out there, but also the panic also being like a, a virus in itself and, you know, mixed with misinformation and true information and all in between. Um, but, yeah, it's like my parting words is make the most of it, you know, make the most of it in whatever way that, that you know, you can only know what brings yourself joy, so make the most of it. And then whatever brings you joy will spread to other people. Or if you're creative, then other people will be inspired by that creativity or people um, just coming back to themselves and um, can actually spread to other people to bring in their own um, self-awareness and enlightenment through that too. Hmm. See, it's the love virus. Love virus. It's the, I don't know what the acronym, but the virus is like something about getting back in touch with your spiritual self. It's like in spirit is the, or uniting in spirit is the end. I don't know what the, I can't remember what the VIRS is, but somebody took that acronym to say it's about, I don't know, very whatever it would be, uniting in spirit. And I feel like that's that works for me. 
So, um, Leah, if you would like to continue to expand or if any of you do want to do, I'm going to take a short break. So I'm going to put a, um, we can come back in a moment if you want to care. Otherwise, I want to say thank you for being here at this moment. I got to go. And, and I realized I didn't really plan that part of the equation. And because usually I've done like maybe 45 minutes and taken and waited to the top of the hour, but this seems to just keep going and going all day. And you're all welcome to stay on beyond if you'd like, but I'm going to say, we're going to close down this one and I'll set a new link if you want to come back. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. I believe your inner guidance is given to you to help you move towards the desires of your heart, the dreams, the visions that you have had or have. It will get you from the place where you don't know what your inner guidance feels like or you're feeling this inner conflict. You feel like something is off, but you're thinking that you must be mistaken. You're feeling like somehow you're being controlled and you might end up feeling like you take that out externally on someone else acting out or you may even take that out on yourself, holding that resentment with inside and listening from a space of doubt and mistrust and constantly searching for answers. You could be zoning out, just uncomfortable in your body. You could be faking it till you make it. All of this is a good indication that you are neglecting listening to your inner guidance. And if you are ready to step into this transformation where you can have peace and contentment and playfulness and appreciation for life, it's like magic happens. It's a whole new normal because it's a natural that's designed specifically for you. That's why I call it your best whole new world. And that's what I love helping people do because I was there once. And thankfully, I took that leap back in 1991. So I've done the journey, I've had the experiences, and I've even written the book, Trusting Your Intuition, Discover Your Superpower in 10 Days, available at Amazon or on my website at bestwholenewworld.com. You can also join me on um, a group program, book a one-on-one -on -one session, or get on the wait list for the next uh, masterclass. Join the movement. One billion people healed from the inside out, trusting their inner guidance, enjoying the journey of their heart's desires, and living in their best whole new world. Your best whole new world. You deserve it, don't you think? <laughs>